Your service matters. Whether you're in the military or you're a journalist or you're a teacher or a fireman, first responder, it matters when you serve. It's about a purpose-driven life. If people wanted to ask me how my, my child wants to be a catcher, what do I tell them? And I say, catch every ball. And in life, isn't that the way it is? We all show some form of valor. Common people doing uncommon things. Loyalty, duty, honor, respect, selfless service, integrity, personal courage. They laid down everything to go to war for us so we can be free to sit here and talk this podcast. Why? Why did you do it? What impelled you to put aside the instinct for self-preservation and risk your lives? It was faith and belief. It was loyalty and love, clear convictions and beliefs. It's important in a democracy for us to know that freedom isn't free. The Bob Feller Act of Valor Foundation is exactly the right name for that foundation to inform the American public about the ideals and the virtues and the heroism of people like Bob Feller. Bob Feller, he said, my one piece of advice is read our Constitution and run your lives according to the Constitution. We swear an oath to a document that stands for freedom, makes this experiment that we call the United States of America. We are not perfect, but we hold the moral high ground. We are trying to, in the words of our founding document, in order to form a more perfect union. There are going to be some tough calls to make the world safer, better, to represent those values. We can continue to make this world a much, much better place. Today we are joined by the 2020 Bob Feller Active Valor Award recipient and current relief pitcher for the San Diego Padres, Mr. Craig Stamen. Thank you for joining us today. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey to the MLB? Yeah, um, I grew up in a small town in Ohio, town of about 220 people, so very small. Uh, my graduating class had 100 kids in it. Uh, we went to a bigger town for high school. Loved playing baseball. My family was a big baseball family. Um, all my uncles played, my grandpas played, my cousins all played high school baseball. And that was just part of the journey was, was playing sports in the small town and, uh, baseball having to be something I was pretty good at, had a good right arm. Uh, was lucky enough to get a chance to play college baseball at the university of Dayton. Uh, from there I was drafted after my junior year by the Washington nationals in the 12th round felt like the first round to me. And uh, that's when I started my minor league career and, and lucky enough, I uh, was able to make it to the big leagues uh, four years after getting drafted in 2009 and uh, was with the Nationals to, until 2015. Uh, they let me go when I hurt my elbow. I was with the Indians for one year. Uh, rehabbing, didn't get, quite get to uh, enjoy that World Series run that they were on. But uh, the very next year, signed the San Diego Padres. Been with them ever since. And uh, it's very exciting to be with that team right now as it looks like uh, we got a pretty good team on paper. Were you an Indians fan growing up? Uh, I actually grew up a Reds fan. Uh, Cincinnati was about two hours from where I grew up. Cleveland was three and a half hours. Uh, the way the TV networks worked, we got all the Cincinnati stuff. Uh, so I'm a Bengals fan and Reds fan uh, growing up. And, and the Reds, they won the World Series 1990. I was – six years old and uh that was probably the highlight of my childhood for a long time 
Yeah, I asked my dad's from Ohio. That's I, I was just curious. Uh, that's why I asked. Um, but yeah, you you mentioned already, uh, referenced it a little bit. The the team you guys are putting together in San Diego. We're both uh, huge baseball fans, and most of our listeners are. And so I think there was one player. I mean, we definitely wanted to talk to you about and ask about is Fernando Tatis. One. Uh, he's probably buying dinners for you guys for the foreseeable future. Uh, but two, you also got to see a young Bryce Harper when you were with the Nationals. What's it like seeing these real young players getting their break and just starting? And then he gets rewarded with that huge contract. Uh, what's that like seeing these young guys break into the league? Yeah, I've been pretty lucky to play with uh, a couple young phenoms and guys that have our organization uh, changers. Uh, when Bryce came up, uh, with Washington in 2012, he, you know, took us to, to new heights that year. Uh, when he got caught up in May, we took off and ended up winning, I think, 98 games that year. And the same thing with uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. As soon as he got to the big leagues, our team became a great team. And we saw last year, you know, the impact that he can have on playoff games, on regular season games, and at any moment he can – uh, change the game, whether it's on defense, whether he's running the bases or or at the plate. And he's such a great kid, too. It's it's awesome to be his teammate. I'm proud to be his teammate. Uh, and he's going to probably earn every dollar that he's going to get paid here over the next 14 years. So good for him. I'm glad that uh, he's going to be a San Diego Padre for for a very long time. And one of your early career starts uh, was against his dad, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, uh, I definitely faced his dad, I think, in my rookie year, 2009. And he and I have joked about it a couple times that he was the 10, 12-year-old in the clubhouse screwing around while his dad was out there playing. And I was actually facing his dad. So I think his dad has actually got a couple hits off me. I think I struck him out one time. We looked up the stats. But uh, it's it's kind of neat to be playing with uh, so against someone's dad and then, you know, the son, uh, being my teammate, um, I guess it, it makes me feel good that I've been able to stick around and play baseball this long, but also know that, uh, things are winding down for me. <laughs> so that's something his dad has that, uh, his son doesn't, he got a couple hits off you. Yeah, exactly. Not yet. He doesn't have any hits off me yet, I guess. So now we'll, we'll shift over and talk a little bit about your, uh, the military work you do. Um, obviously San Diego is such a big military town and so is Washington, uh, still is, uh, but while you were there as well, um, what has it been like working with these teams in these military prominent communities? Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of been the niche that's, uh, kind of followed me throughout my career. Uh, definitely, you know, grateful that I played in Washington, DC at the beginning of my career and, uh, our nation's capital. It's a very cool place to play, a great city, a lot of history uh, there. And I guess the beginning of it was uh, when we started going to Walter Reed Hospital to visit uh, wounded veterans there. And then from, from that, I was invited to go on the 2012 USO holiday tour with uh, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Martin Dempsey at the time. And uh, that trip was one once in a lifetime trip, an eye opening experience. Uh, really, the first time that I was overseas for an extended period of time and traveling on military aircraft and and seeing what it's like actually during war what it's like and a uh, very eye-opening experience getting to meet some of the our great men and women that serve our country um and then you know fate would have it that i ended up spending the back half of my career in san diego which is 
you know, a huge military town. Almost everybody living there has some connection to the military. And uh, we've been able to do some fun stuff later in my career, being able to do some meet and greets at the stadium, being able to put on a, a kid's camp absolutely free for military kids uh, where they get to go on to Petco Park and had a couple of my teammates that I dragged out there and they were tossing the kid wh- tossing the kids wiffle balls and they were smacking them around the park. So uh, it was a day that I'll, I'll never forget. Hopefully it's a day, you know, those kids never forget also. I read that your college roommates were actually in the military as well. Did that have anything to do with your passion to help the military? Yeah. And in, in when we were in college, you know, there was really no thought of those, those two guys uh, ending up, you know, serving our country in that capacity. Uh, my immediate roommate uh, went and he was a, got an engineering degree from university of Dayton and was building helicopters ironically for the military. And he said, I'm just not close enough to the action. And so uh, he enlisted in the Marines. And then my other roommate uh, who was actually uh, high school, Went to the same high school. We were best friends, played football, basketball, baseball together, uh, traveled all over you know, Ohio playing summer baseball. And then we're lucky enough to play together in college also. Uh, he was getting his teaching degree and then decided to join the Army. Um, so those two guys, uh, I definitely look up to them. They uh, decided to do things with their life that, you know, that are, are pretty amazing. And they've made an impact on this world and on this country and made it a better place. Um, but I think when they were started serving, uh, you know, I definitely had a respect for the military my whole life. I mean, grandpa served World War II. So, um, you know, it wasn't anything that was, uh, I guess you could say that I neglected, but uh, it made it real uh, when, when those two guys went overseas to serve, uh, you know, in Afghanistan uh, in Germany and different places and knew that they were being deployed and, you know, they were being shot at by the enemy, you know, that kind of thing. That's like a real, you know, a civilians back home, you know, think of war in a completely different context than what, you know, when you got bullets and people trying to really get rid of you, you know, then it's real. And it was real for, for those guys and, and, you know, how they endured that when they came back to the States it wasn't easy. You know, they had some tough times with it. Uh, they're doing great now and, you know, thankful for what they did uh, in those years. Yeah, you're probably you're probably thankful you didn't get shot at uh, while you were over on the trip. We read that uh, Kelly Pickler said it was the first time she hadn't been shot at while she was on one of the one of the trips. Yeah, she was. That was like her seventh or eighth uh, USO tour that she had done. And uh, she's a great performer, does great for the military, does a lot of those trips. And, uh, yeah, she said this was a, an easy one for her. <laughs> and I think maybe because we were traveling with the chairman, uh, they had some extra precautions ahead of time. And maybe we traveled to some places that were uh, maybe not as dangerous, that type of thing. And it was also during the winter, too, which, you know, you, f- you find out when you go over there that the winter is kind of the off season of the war or whatnot, which you know, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but you know, that's, that was the nature of it. And it was an eye-opening experience being in the middle of Afghanistan at Bagram Air Force Base, sleeping overnight there. And and just, uh, you know, you could feel the, the intensity of the situation. So I'd like to ask you a little bit about the uh, Bob Fellow Act of Valor Award, which you were our 2020 award recipient. Can you tell us a little bit about that process and what it meant to you to be able to win that award? 
Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, you know, you definitely are thankful when you get recognized for some of the things that you've been doing uh, throughout your life or throughout your career and been nominated for the award, you know, multiple times by the Nationals and by the Padres. And uh, so it was nice to break through and be the the winner of that award finally. Uh, but, you know, we, we don't do the things that we do, you know, to get the award. The award's not what it is. Um, it's about trying to, you know, serve the people that serve us on a daily basis and their families and trying to make, uh, their lives a little bit better and able to enjoy the experiences that I get to enjoy every day, uh, being a major league baseball player. And, uh, anytime I see those eight, nine, 10 year olds, I get to come to the park, watch batting practice on the field, get Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis, Eric Hosmer's autograph or Craig Stammen's autograph. Uh, and see the smile on their face, uh, you know, it's it's a pretty cool thing. And it's it's gratifying uh, that I'm able to provide that opportunity for them. Um, it makes it realize that, you know, I'm using, you know, not just my career for myself, but uh, to make a difference in the world. Could you talk about some of the things you're doing now? Uh, obviously, with 2020 and COVID and all the struggles that everyone's been going through, um, it's thrown a lot of plans out of out of whack, I guess. Um, so can you talk about some of the stuff you're doing with the military community and maybe the United Heroes League now uh, in spite of COVID and the pandemic we're facing? Right. Yeah, it's been an interesting year. Uh, definitely a lot of the events that we had planned or were hoping to plan, you know, definitely didn't, uh, weren't able to happen. And uh, luckily with United Heroes League, I have such a good relationship with them being one of the board of directors. Uh, we're constantly brainstorming you know, ways that we can, uh, you know, provide access for military families to enjoy some of the things away from normal life and in the sports world. Um, we did a few Zoom calls with kids, you know, over the COVID uh, quarantine period early on, uh, just to kind of, you know, challenge them to continue with their schoolwork and stay focused, even though they're learning virtually and uh, hopefully get them fired up for a baseball season. Uh, and I think this coming year, you know, hopefully we'll be able to, you know, have families out to the ballpark. I may not to do, may not be able to do the in-person meet and greet just to, uh, you know, keep those negative tests coming for the rest of the team. Uh, but we'll be able to, you know, do something kind of like what we're doing here uh, over Zoom and uh, be able to just talk to them a little bit face to face. Maybe not sign their autographs and hand it to them, but sign some stuff ahead of time and they can uh, sanitize it and bring it home. So uh, looking forward to that, looking forward to a little bit normal of a more normal of a season, uh, more normal access for the fans and especially the, the great military members and their families uh, in San Diego. Going back to your, your baseball career a little bit, what was it like playing in 2020 with the pandemic? And then what was your off season like this year? I can't even imagine how you guys fought through everything going on just to put on entertainment to kind of make, to be an escape for people. Yeah. It, it, you know, it was tough. We wish we could have played some more games, um, but we ended up only playing 60 and then the playoffs. Uh, for me, it was a great, it was a fun season. We got to, we made it to the playoffs and that was kind of our goal at the, during the first spring training. Uh, I think the excitement of our team, knowing that we were pretty good, that we were an up and coming team made the season a whole lot easier to handle the protocols a lot easier to obey. Um, I know if it would have been a, a, a season where our team felt like we weren't any good or we had no chance of making the playoffs, it would have definitely dragged on. But 
you know, we were definitely shooting for that championship. Uh, we made a bit huge step forward getting to the playoffs and, uh, you know, Dodgers kicked our butt in the playoffs, but, you know, hopefully we'll get another shot at them this year. Um, and then the off season, it, it was pretty normal off season for me, other than I didn't go out to eat at any restaurants. Uh, wasn't really able to uh, do a whole lot of going to church or, you know, the normal things that you would do uh, on a normal off season, but uh, was able to stay relatively healthy and, and get a lot of training in and get prepared for this 2021 season and uh, hopefully make it the best one that I've had and the best one uh, the Padres have ever had. I know Trevor Bauer posted uh, a video kind of walking people through a day uh, with all the COVID protocols and going through um, all those new necessary steps while still training and uh, going to practice like normal. What is that like? Is it a big distraction for you or did you find it a big distraction? Uh, and are you hoping it's going to be more normal this year uh, in terms of having a routine and maybe even because it's a longer season, these additional protocols will just become part of your routine? Yeah, I think now after experiencing last season, we're um, we're used to some of the stuff that we have to go through on a daily basis, and it's almost second nature, just like part of the job, um, you know, part of what our experience is every day. And and honestly, it's been much easier the spring training for me just to be able to be comfortable putting on a mask, uh, you know, 100% of the time unless we're on the field, uh, and just being able to socially distance and and do things that's going to keep everybody else safe in, in the locker room, in the clubhouse and on the field. So uh, for me, it's, it's not, it's not all that difficult right now. It's, it's uh, you know, part of our lifestyle here uh, during the pandemic. And we're just trying to provide a good example for uh, the rest of the country to kind of follow along. And hopefully, you know, our season gets off to a good start. There's no issues uh, with us battling the virus and, and things continue to, uh, go well with the vaccines and, and the less cases. Uh, and I think when that happens, uh, by the end of the season, we'll have, uh, you know, somewhat normal uh, fan capacity. And hopefully for the playoffs, it's, it's full go for everyone. Going back to that 60-game season, did you notice pitchers being more willing to go out there for an extra inning or two? Or in your case, maybe a couple nights in a row because you knew you only had a certain amount of 60 games compared to 162? Yeah, I think people were willing to do it. Our team was built, you know, completely different last year where we had, you know, there were so many more guys on the roster. They expanded the rosters and we had a lot of relievers that the workload was almost spread out uh, more than it is in any other season. So, uh, you know, we were all willing to take the ball. Uh, the players were more willing to play, you know, every day because we knew it was a, a sprint to 60 games. And we knew we, had, we also knew that we had a a really good team. And, uh, you know, with the 60 game season, there's no room to have that five, six game losing streak. It's gotta be, you know, pedal to the metal the whole season and, uh, see where you end up after 60 games. And unfortunately for us, you know, we did have a great season, great regular season, uh, getting the fourth seed with in the playoffs and winning the first series in the playoffs. Uh, so huge step forward to us and hopefully continue that momentum and in, into the next season. Yeah. And obviously it's got to be completely different uh, without the fans in the, in the stadium. I mean, you had the cardboard cutouts and the, the uh, piped in noise. Is that really a, a big difference for you? Are you someone who loves having the fans there and you kind of feel that when you're on the mound or is it one of those things where you kind of zone it out either way when you get onto the mound? Yeah, I think we all, we all realized this year that we thought, um, 
you know, we thought that the fans weren't a huge part of what we did on the field because we could typically zone them out. But I think we realized that, uh, you know, we missed that noise, that buzz in the stadium. And uh, we missed the cheering and the booing probably too <laughs> a little bit. Um, and I think we're all looking forward to having fans back in the stands. There no, there's no doubt about that, that we're looking forward to that extra energy that the fans provide. And uh, the fans are what make the sport great. You know, they root us on, uh, they root their teams on. And, uh, you know, when, the, when we win a championship, the parade isn't just with the players. Uh, it's with the whole city. And we're definitely trying to bring, bring one of those championships back to uh, San Diego. It must have felt like you were back in high school playing baseball with no fans there. <laughs> yeah, a little bit like that, uh, with a whole lot more uh, stakes on the line. <laughs> so going into this season, I don't know as a player if you guys look into all the talk in the offseason, um, but I saw the MLB Network head the Padres as the number two ranked team coming into the season. Do you guys feel that pressure at all um, to go out there and perform, or do you just know you have a solid team and you're going to go out there and, and give it your all? Yeah, there's, there's – I mean, projections are – fake really you know they're just guesses at what might happen and I I remember back 2015 when I was with the Nationals and we signed Max Scherzer and it made our starting staff look amazing and I remember Bryce Harper saying in spring training where's my ring you know before we even played the season and we end up not even making the playoffs so there's so many things that can happen in a 162 game season and we know that uh, so we're focused on doing our work every day preparing for the season and uh, just going out and playing our butts off every single day. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about the projection. Those those Dodgers are pushovers, anyways. Don't even worry about them. <laughs> no, that they're not pushovers. They're a great team, <laughs> and uh, it's going to be some some fun. I mean, I'm talking. This is what baseball is all about: battles between you know the Dodgers and the Padres this year. And I think every player is looking forward to that. What's one thing uh, you're looking to improve on in this season? I think this is what going into your 12th season um, or 11th or 12th. Um, what is one thing you're still looking to, to improve on or build on even at this stage in your career? I think, you know, you're constantly trying to learn even, you know, when you think you've learned it all, it's what you learn after that is what really matters. I think that's a John Wooden quote, um, but you know, I'm definitely trying to get better. I'm trying to, you know, keep my spot in the game. There's all these young bucks coming up, throwing hundred miles an hour, uh, trying to take my spot. And I've just got to be on top of my game. I've got to, I can, there's room for improvement. There's always room for improvement uh, in anything that you're doing and constantly tinkering with my pitches and trying to execute them uh, in a more efficient manner, trying to stay healthy, keep my body, you know, as athletic as it can be and make it feel like I'm 25 again. Uh, so those challenges are uh, an everyday thing, and th that challenge is what makes this game so much fun. So are you a bullpen cart guy or no? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I just – it doesn't feel right. It feels like you'd get out of the zone of uh, going in there and trying to be intense and get everybody out when you're uh, riding in the bullpen, bullpen cart with a random guy driving you. I don't know. We were uh, we were at a Nationals game. I guess it was probably two years ago when Colin and I first started this, uh, and Sean Doolittle took the cart. So we said if we ever had him on, we were gonna we we're gonna have to ask him about that. <laughs> He'll tell you all about it, I'm sure. <laughs> all right. So my last question: Last week you had the we had the chance for you to read the dealers on strike three 
for an audio flip book. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what attracted you to that book? And question? you know, it's a it's a great book. It's a kid's book. Um, I've got two young kids right now, one on the way, and we're re- trying to read as many books as we can to them. Uh, trying to read them books with good message, a message of of hard work and uh, a message of being a good person and doing the right things. And uh, the deal is on strike three. Uh, shows that father-son relationship. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. I think that's all we have. And good luck in the 2021 season. Awesome. Thanks, guys, for having me.